Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family. From the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. You guys are so stoked to be here today. Because I have a guest that if you don't already know her, you're freaking missing out on life. But I bet you already do. It's the one and only Robin Warner. What's up? We everybody? don't have Danny here to beatbox, but oh, I can do it. He would. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Get it. Get it. Um, Robin, aka a fly on my wall. That's right. And I'm just, you know what? Will you introduce yourself? Because I feel like you have a lot of good stuff to say. Well, I am so excited to be here. My name is Robin Warner, and I'm just your average mother of four. I'm yeah. burning casseroles. Changing dirty diapers, <laughs> doing the thing. When I'm not doing that, I call myself a serial entrepreneur. I own four or five small businesses. Oh, just yeah. four or five? Just four or five. That's fine. Yeah. yeah you're very average. Yeah. That, I mean, in Utah, that's the thing. You're an entrepreneur. That's you're true. a loser. Yeah. So that's, that's what, true. <laughs> that's what it is. In the meantime, when I like to karaoke. Cool. Wow. Sweet. That, that's yeah. going to be at the end then. That's going to be at the end. Okay. Yeah. I love hanging out with my family, being outdoors, and I love... Talking to women, talking to... Okay, and that is exactly why I wanted Robin on the show. Because, again, if you aren't following her on Instagram already, you're missing out on, like, a million times to just <laughs> laugh and, like, just be in awe of all of her vulnerability and hilarious antics. But Robin has quite a story, actually. I so do. as as funny as she is, um, she has quite a serious background and story to tell. So will you just, like quickly tell us kind of your story yeah, and then we're going to get into it. So I'm assuming when you say my story, it's probably the one where I pooed my pants. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not kidding, that one. Not that one. No. I have a lot of stories, but the one you're probably referring to is my sexual assault. That's right. Yeah. So when I was 18 here in Utah, I was running on a public paved trail in the middle of the day. And there was people on the trail. It was safe. It was a safe place to be. And I was actually attacked and sexually assaulted by a man who had just gotten out of prison for four prior sexual violence oh, wow. assaults. And it was really serious. It was really traumatic. He beat me up, sexually assaulted me, tried to kill me. And now he's serving a 15 year to life sentence here in the prison yes. in Utah. I love hearing that. Yes, he's there. He's been there 12 years now. So, um, his sentence is 15 years to life. So um, in three more years, we'll find out if they're going to let him out or if he gets to stay. So we're hoping because he's had, this is his fifth offense that he'll yeah. stay. Yeah, let's vote for um, that. And if not, we'll all rally the troops. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. We'll we go stand at a state prison. Yeah. But that totally catapulted me into women's self-defense and safety. And that's my main platform is empowering women and girls to be prepared and not scared. And so I teach self-defense and all sorts of anything safety. I'm really passionate about teaching it from our kids all the way up to adults. And so that's what I do full time. Amazing. Yeah. So obviously if you, again, if you don't know Robin now, welcome to her world, but <laughs> she's obviously a woman who's capable of doing very difficult things. Yes. And when I met Robin, I actually didn't know her her story I 
quickly learned it, but I was just so impressed by how powerful her presence was and her passion for helping other women because that's something that I'm also very, very passionate about. And that's why I wanted her here today because our audience is mainly women. Yeah. And we deal with a very different side of things here. So we're not dealing with necessarily safety, but for the past couple of episodes, we've been talking about specifically pornography addiction. And I am well acquainted with that. Yes. And so that's something that I know Robin's followers really, really kind of want to dive into more and know more about. And I also know that we have so many women that are deeply affected by this, either by their own spouse or they're dealing with pornography addiction in their children. And so I really wanted Robin to be with us today to talk about her experience and really to help any women out there listening to know what is possible, kind of what her her way out was. And just, I, I really want you to speak to them. Yeah. Well, first of all, any women out there who is dealing with this or has dealt with this, I see you, I hear you, I love you. And I know firsthand alongside of you how heartbreaking and how devastating pornography addiction can be in a marriage. And me and my husband are in a really good place now. He seems to be doing well, but it's been a, it's been a long road. It's been 10 years of ups and downs and betrayal and devastation and hope and then starting the cycle all over again. So tell me about that. So how long have you and your husband been married? We have been married for 12 years. Okay. And you guys have four kids. Four kids. Yep. Wow. We have four kids. So keep us really busy. Okay. Awesome. Yes. And was it right off the bat that once you were married that you realized this was a problem or did it kind of occur over, you know, the first couple of years? Yeah. So Johnny, my husband came to me around six months of marriage and had told me he had been looking at pornography and I was totally devastated and completely naive because I thought that this was like a one-time thing. And like, I remember just crying and thinking like, oh my gosh, he's looked at this. Like, do I have to divorce him? Like, I just, I thought it was the end of the world. Right. And I kind of thought we had dealt with it. Um, we did the classic go to your ecclesiastic leader, sure, all those things. And I kind of thought we were out of the woods and then lies started accumulating. And before we knew it, we're two years in, four years in, five years in, eight years in, and it just kept happening over and over. And we would, we would think that we were on top of it. And then he'd hide it. And then we'd have this big come to Jesus. I can't believe you're hiding this. Like we've been doing this for sure. so long. Yeah. And we just couldn't get out of this cycle. And so six months was the first and only time he ever came to me that he was doing it. And then after that, it was all in isolation. And I always found it. There was never. He wasn't coming. He wasn't coming forward, forward with, with it. it. It was something that you mm-hmm. kept discovering. Yeah. So. When I married Danny, he was just one year fresh off the ankle monitor. He was just barely out of the woods. Yes. And so in my mind, I thought, okay, great. I've been through this wilderness of my own and I'm finally married and we're going to do this. And then bam, I just got slapped in the face with just like this heavy, heavy burden. Like where I was like, same as you oh, okay, so is it over? Like, do we get divorced now? Like, 
what's going on. And so I can't even imagine coming from you had survived someone actually physically trying to kill you. Yes. And being violated sexually. Mm-hmm. And then giving yourself fully to your husband and having him betray you in that way. Yeah, it was completely devastating. I thought it was me. I thought I wasn't beautiful enough. I thought I, you know, wasn't giving my husband what he needed. And I had zero, it, it crushed me. I had zero self-confidence. It was kind of the end of the world for me. Yeah, I think that's what's so interesting is I feel like that's what it does to every woman is it turns a mirror on you going, so what's wrong with me? Right. What's like, wrong with my body? Yeah. What's wrong with what I'm doing? Am I not giving you enough? Am right. I am I not enough? Why do you have to look other places? Am right. I not satisfying you? Am I not right. giving you what you need? Exactly. You you start completely taking it upon yourself. In fact, I, I remember when I discovered that Danny was looking at porn, he was like trying to, to get me to understand his perspective. Like, oh, it's not about you. Like, it's not about you. It has nothing to do with you. And I was like, okay, but how would you feel? Just go along with me here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how would you feel if I were looking at a magazine full of insanely sculpted men and also every single one of those men had a financial portfolio that was just <laughs> crazy I mean they just had so much money so much and just just the best bodies like how would it ma- like how would that make you feel I'm like trying to relate yeah. to him and he was like it's not the same I, that was so like that again caused me to just go okay we're at a stalemate like yeah you don't understand we what don't this is doing then. to me mm-hmm. and I don't understand where you're coming from at all right so I guess I want to know, I mean, you said how it affected you. Yeah. And the way you viewed your body. What did you do about that? Well, it's taken me years. I mean, we've been in this battle of addictions, not only just pornography, but other addictions, tobacco, alcohol, things like that, that has really kind of broken all the trust in our marriage. And so it's actually taken me, 10 years to finally feel like I'm at a place where I'm at peace with myself. I love myself. I'm beautiful. It has nothing to do with me, but it wasn't an overnight fix. And I think it just started by learning more about addictions, trying to understand my husband and why he was doing these things. We, we ended up going to an addiction counselor. Actually, we tried the 12 steps multiple times Mm -hmm. that, um, our church put on and that wasn't ever successful. Mm -hmm. Okay. We've, we went to our church leaders so many times as well. And finally I was like, nothing's changing. Like we right. keep following these patterns. You have multiple addictions. Um, and so we got referred to someone who's like professionally works with addicts. Sure. And I got a lot of information there that kind of took it more into a scientific perspective instead of like, I was just so caught up emotionally. Spiritual yeah, and spiritually emotional. and emotionally one. Yeah. And it, it made, it kind of just, was it was the first time that I was like, maybe this really isn't about me. Yeah. Like physically and scientifically, like these are why he keeps having these things happen and we need to stop it at this right. level. And and then I just as we built trust with one another, I slowly felt more confident. But then I really, really turned inward and started working on myself. Mm-hmm. And I had to repair all that and find who I was. But 
it affects your relationship because pornography makes people go into isolation and isolation makes people have shame. And yeah. when you have a partner who's always in the shame cycle, how can you mature with one another? How can you have intimacy? Oh my gosh, Robin. Yes. You, you know, and so- It blocks it It completely. blocks everything. So we're married at the young age of 20 and immediately we're having these addiction problems with pornography. So our whole entire, like- when you're young and you're, I mean, we're already married way too young, first yeah, of all, yeah. but you have so many things to figure out. But when there's these big, huge addictions and there's isolation and shame and you're pushing one another away, like that doesn't form a good, healthy relationship. No. It so doesn't. we've, we've really struggled. Like yeah. I, I'm super open on my Instagram. Like we're still in marriage therapy. We go once a week, sometimes yeah. twice a week. Cause like there is a lot we have to work through, but also while we were struggling with all these addictions for 10 years, we were in complete silence about it. We yeah. didn't tell anybody we didn't even know what to do. We, we were sh like, I was so ashamed that my husband was doing this. Sure. He was so ashamed. And so now that we've like kind of come out of the closet, we've actually made more progress in the past two years than we did through the whole 10 because we're getting professional help and we're open to talk about it and we're starting to make progress, but it hasn't been easy. Right. It never, it never yeah, is. It never is. But I, lo I love, I love that you are so open about that because that's literally why we have, this platform is because I truly believe as we share our stories, we heal. Absolutely. And we give other people permission to do, to, the, same. To do the same. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so my husband, Johnny is like the biggest fan of your living proof. <laughs> no, he really is. He, and is. he, he wears his little hat, but he, your guys's motto, our your secrets, secrets keep you yep. sick. That's, he, that was the first time it hit him where he's like, no, that's like actually it. Yeah. Like I was sick and I kept all these secrets and I had all the shame. But once he was able to like come out and be like, yeah, like I was addicted to pornography and I was addicted to tobacco and all these other things, like he's made a 180. Yeah. Well, I think there's so much power in that. And, and I think you're so right. And that addiction fuels secrecy. Mm -hmm. That's what, that's what it's all about. Right. And then that secrecy just creates this ball of shame. And you probably haven't listened to it yet because it was just released a few hours ago, but our podcast from last week was this amazing human being named Josh who came forward and just basically was like, he became a raging drug addict for 20 years what? to cover up the shame he felt from his pornography addiction Ugh. because he felt so much better about being a drug addict than a porn addict really or having his name attached to any sort of a sexual mm -hmm. deviancy or whatever right. and I that was so powerful to me because I feel like for any mom or wife out there that shows the power that lies in pornography and addiction to it right and so we really need to pay more attention to that mm -hmm. because it grabs a hold of you and it does not let go. It does not let go. It will take you under. Yeah. And it will destroy every relationship you have along the way. Right. Because like you said, you guys went for so long where you both knew it was going on, but you weren't talking about it. Right. Yeah. And there was times where it was like, I thought we were good and all along he was looking at it or there were moments where he was able to keep it under control, but how do you build a healthy relationship when there's so much shame and distance? Like you can't, you can't be intimate with someone when you have a secret like that. No, no. 
So a few weeks ago, we had this amazing guy on. He's actually a marriage and family therapist. His name is Jeff Stewart. Okay. I don't know if you know who he is, but he his specialty is like betrayal, ad- trauma, um, pornography addiction, and kind of healing from that. And he said, can I talk to your women for a second? And I was like, yeah, please, yes. like blow us up. And he was <laughs> like, okay, here's the thing. If your husband is addicted to pornography... The bigger problem is not his addiction to pornography, but his, and I'm going to, you need to listen to him say it, but his dismissal of your feelings about it. Yes. That's where the bigger problem is. That's 100%. I agree with that. And I think that's what, that's the missing piece, I think, for so many women is that they will sit in that space of feeling isolated and betrayed by their spouse without their feelings acknowledged right and it does exactly what you said it it just freezes you no progress can be made at that point if anything regress right you go backwards right yeah so you would say that for you and johnny the biggest help for you was going to marriage therapy doing your work together yeah but also separately i'm mm -hmm. assuming yes we do we do we both have therapists separately that we go to each week and then we also go together. Um, I feel like the first stepping stone to kind of stepping out of the dark was admitting that there was a problem. Yeah. Like Johnny finally being like, I want to stop. There's a problem, but I don't know how. So that's when we went to the addiction counselor. And we literally like, I remember him, he had like a whiteboard and he was like writing like, this is your brain and this is the dopamine hit. Like just like it yeah. made sense. Yeah. And I think it made sense to Johnny too. And it made him less of what he felt like a monster. Yeah. Like totally. this is like, this is an addictive cycle. This is what's cycle. happened to yeah, you. Yeah. And like we can break it if we like, there's different exits and like, yeah. these are where we need to take those. And so that's how it started. We still had, you know, relapse and things like that. But when Johnny finally was okay to like tell someone. Yeah. Things started changing for us and he's really taken ownership of it. I've taken ownership of it. Yeah. Like I, I didn't even tell my parents for those 10 years. Sure, sure. I was so embarrassed. Like I, I didn't know. want them to look at my husband differently right, right. or think he's gross or I should leave him and all those things. And I think that that is, I'm so glad you said that because it's so true and it's so powerful. And I think that's why so many women stay silent about it. Yeah. Even to their own best friends, they right. might not be willing to admit it because it feels embarrassing. It yeah. feels like, well, my husband looks at porn because clearly I'm not good enough right or I'm not pretty enough or I'm not able to do what what satisfies him but the truth is that because of what he's doing you're not able to connect right and that's the real problem yeah you have no actual intimacy because it can't exist exactly in that and under those parameters yeah yeah and so you do you keep it a secret and I did I didn't tell anyone and I was especially in the culture that we live in like just I felt so much shame right and, yeah. and kind of like almost a fraud, like we're participating in all mm-hmm. these church activities, but like, but we're not really, we're not even it. quote unquote, like worthy enough to be here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is so interesting because it's such a lie. It is. And I hate that. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I think is so interesting about addiction in general is that why should you ever feel ashamed to walk into a church smelling like smoke? Exactly. If you don't need help, then you don't need a savior and none of us need to be here. Right. So everybody <laughs> is totally worthy and should be feeling worthy to right. come to church 
as somebody who is not yet complete, yeah. right? We're all in the process of becoming. Right. It's not like, oh, check, I, I, I did it. Now, I, I don't really need to come to church, but I will because that's what I do. Yeah. It's it's a continuing process, right? right? Yeah. And, but it's so interesting because that that is what the story is over and over and over again. Right. Is you get turned on the outside of it. Mm-hmm. I had a thought along those lines. So in, in the 10 years that he dealt with this, we went to numerous different bishops is what we call them. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting to see how yeah. each one would react. Sure. Um, like the first couple bishops, cause we just lived different places as we were moving yeah. around. Like I remember one of them just making my husband feel like absolute garbage and just so shameful and dirty. And like, there's all these things you can't participate in anymore. And then years later when we went, Again, it was like we had someone who actually got us the right help and, and was encouraging. And that's when we went to the addiction counselor. But removing ourselves from trying to find help within our church system really took like the like worthiness out of it. And like going to someone removed yeah. from our church, I feel like was a really big step for us. And yeah. I had a lot of friends who have like, we went and told our church leader and things like that. And I always say like, that's great, but like go get professional help because yeah. When we went to our addiction counselor, like he didn't judge us. Right. There wasn't any like worthiness based around it anymore. And the shame right. started chiseling down and he right. could look at Johnny as he is a man and, and tell him like, this is like, this is a real thing. And I'm going to scientifically help you figure this out. Right. Um, and so that was actually probably a really big thing too. When we decided to like actually get help outside of our church. Yeah. Well, I, I always believe that going to your ecclesiastical leader for help and support is a critical part of the healing process mm -hmm. spiritually. Right. But it is not necessarily a component of healing from an addiction. Right. They, they would tell you they, that. Right. That I'm not here. I can't. This isn't what I do. I'm here to help you come back to your savior right and to understand what your relationship with him is but you need to get some help with addiction and i think that's that's the difficult part is right especially in our culture with addiction i think a lot of people think well i can if i just pray, pray it away more mm -hmm. then they're gonna want to change right or if i have more faith that's exactly what I was. this circumstance is going to be removed from me and it's unfortunate because I am a huge Jesus Me too. believer, but Praise I'm like, to the he has, he can heal you yeah. and he will ultimately he will. He will. be the one that does that, Yeah, but it takes action. Right. Exactly. And, and honestly, when we finally found that one Bishop who was like, no, like I can't counsel you through this. It's too big of a problem. Like yeah. I'm referring you to an addiction specialist. I literally felt like it was the first time I could like breathe. Cause I was like, I've tried everything. Yeah. We've gone to the bishop. We have prayed. I've have I have been as worthy as possible to yeah. hold you through this. Yeah. And like I was finally like, okay, like we need to take action. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of responsibility, personal responsibility that's taken there that is is critical. I mean, especially for your spouse. Like yeah. for Johnny, he needs to do the work, right? right? Yeah. The, it's the only way he'll he'll get out. Right. And so I I love that because and that's the other part of the clinical side that is so critical because mm -hmm. he knows he has to do the work and right. you have to be patient with it. And it's lopsided for a while. It is. And it's a rough ride. And you've mm -hmm. got to have somebody that can help you navigate that. Right. 
And when we found a professional, things started changing for us. So can I ask you, who is your person that you love for our listeners? I can't even remember his name, but I'm going to look it up right now. Okay, I'm going to link it. Yeah, we'll link it. I'm He's here it. in American Fork, Utah. Okay, um, awesome. Yeah. And it, that's like what he specializes in. Yeah. Is men with I think it's so important. Yeah. And I also just think for any women out there who are dealing with this, you're not alone. You are not alone. You're it is not. so common. I'm like, I honestly don't, I don't know really, I don't think I have anybody that I'm close to that hasn't dealt with this in their marriage. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't make your husband a bad person. Right. It doesn't make you a bad spouse. It means that you both have some work to do together. Yes. And. Makes you human. And. It's part of the journey. It really is. And honestly, in a way, I see it now as a blessing that Danny and I had to go through that because it really helped open our eyes to how we're going to teach our children about pornography. Right. And how it affects our relationships. Absolutely. Because it, it changed the dynamic in our relationship for a while. Mm-hmm. We really, and still, I, I'm still like, one eye open all the time. Like, what <laughs> yeah. are you looking at? What are you looking at? Um, that's but, the thing is it, it, it's hard. Like we're two years removed yeah. from this now. And there's sometimes I'll have an insecurity come up and I'm like, yeah. what are you looking at? Yeah. You it's, have to really rebuild trust and it's hard. It, it really is. Yeah. And, and also there's the, the cross addiction thing mm-hmm. because, and that was another thing that we dealt with where it's like, you know, a lot of women will be, will say, well, my husband, I, I'm he's addicted to porn. I'm, I'm pretty sure he looks at it, you know, more than four or five times a day. And, uh-huh. But it's okay. We're we're good. Like it's gonna be okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, other things start happening, and then you realize that that their their pornography addiction has gotten to a point where they're now having to numb the shame they feel f- for having a pornography addiction, and now you have another addiction. Uh huh. I I mean. Case in point. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why it's just so, so important when it enters into your relationship to get professional right. help. Yeah. For me, I I also think a big thing that changed for Johnny was I was so uneducated about addictions. I was married so young and just coming from the culture that I was raised in. Like, I honestly thought like, I'm going to have to divorce Johnny. Yeah. You're he like, has he's all bad. These, he's bad. He, he looks bad. at naked women yeah. and he's bad. He's he bad. masturbates. He mas- so he's bad. Yeah. And he has, you know, a tobacco addiction and all these things. And so when I obviously found out the first time, and then the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, 25th time, I didn't react in the best way. Uh-huh. I didn't know any different. Right. Sure. Of course I was upset. And how could you do this? And you don't love me. And I'm, I'm going to leave if you do it again. And I, yeah. I, I kind of put an ultimatum on him, but I didn't, I didn't know any better. I was scared. Yeah. I was hurt. And things really started changing where after the addiction um, therapy, I remember, and I'm interested to see what you think about this because you guys work with addicts so long, but he kind of sat me down and he just said, just so you know, your husband will always, always have these urges. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I was like, like, great. No, I'm out. No, I was <laughs> like, no, like, I think we can like, totally fix these yeah and he's like no he's like your husband will always have these 
like urges to look at pornography and he'll always have, you know, these urges, but like we can help him so he can overcome those. But like, he's never going to not, not think about it. Right. And I was kind of pissed. I was like, whatever. I was like, no, no, no. Like for me, I'm like, no, you just don't do it. Yeah. You don't do it. You don't think about it. Stop. Yeah. And that was the moment where I was like, am I okay to live with an addict? What if my husband does well for five years and then we kind of fall back into this? Like it kind of put the perspective of like Robin, like he could be an addict forever or this could kind of just be a roller coaster. Like, are you okay with that? Oh, I love that you had that moment with yourself to think about that. Yeah. So what was my answer answer was, yeah. Like there's so many other great things about my husband that I love and this is hard and this is awful, but if he can keep it under control and it doesn't get to a point where, I mean, there's, there's so many points where it crosses the line, but I felt like we'd already been to all those. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, if he can, if I can understand that he is a human and he will always have these desires to maybe look at this or Mm -hmm. chew this and I can still love him. Like, what will that change? And so about a year later, we had a conversation and I was just like, just so you know, like you don't have to hide it from me anymore. Like I'm not leaving. If I find out you look at pornography again, or you drink alcohol or you chew tobacco, I'm going to still stay. Mm. And he never hid it from me again, any of the addictions. And it doesn't mean they ended. He still, it took another year or two for him to finally get those under control, but he'd come to me. He'd say, Robin, I looked at pornography. He felt comfortable mm-hmm. coming to you yeah. in that. Yeah. And, and at first I, I was still hurt, but as we got better at it, I was like, okay, like, let's think about that. Like what triggered you to look at it today? Yeah. And oh then we gosh. started like breaking it down and he's like, Robin, like, I didn't want to tell you, but I chewed tobacco again. Yeah. And before I would freak out and I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Like, let's think like, what made you want to do it again? And he's like, I was stressed out. So we started yeah. like understanding Identifying, it. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I go to that? And then we got it under control. But every time my husband is stressed, he wants to chew tobacco. Yeah. But he you know does what? it now, but yeah. he'll always want to, mm-hmm. you know? So to answer your question, what do I think about that? And what would Danny say about yeah. that? He would say, you are 100% right. He still Sweet. would say, he still would say, and he has in the last six months yeah. had days where he has said to me, if I didn't know it would kill me, I would go and drink an entire bottle of whiskey today. Yeah. That's what I, I that want honesty. to do. Right. That's what I want to do. And I have to take the power away from it mm-hmm. by saying it out loud to you. Right. I'm not going to do it. Yep. But I need you to know that's where I'm at. And I'm like, okay. Yep. I know where you're at. And that's exactly how me and Johnny are now. Like we, we've had a tough year in terms of marriage. And I know when things start, when shiz starts to hit the fan, yep. that's what he's going to go to. It's yep. either going to be pornography, alcohol, or tobacco. And so now I'm really open in, in a non-judgmental way where I'm like, hey, like, are you having those urges and temptations? And now he's yeah. like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, like, what can we do? Yeah. That was probably the that's biggest big shift for us was before I was always so pissed and angry and had these ultimatums. And then I finally, I literally sat him down and said, I'm still going to stay. Yeah. I'm still going to be your wife. Even if you have these addictions for the rest of our life. But can I say that I know you felt comfortable with that because you saw him trying. Exactly. That is because. Why. It would it, be different if he was. It would be different if he said, you know what, Robin, I know this is hurting you and I don't, I don't care. Oh, then I would have been see you later. I don't care. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. You can't change me. Right. I'm not changing for you. Yeah. 
you know, I, this, by the way, I don't think this is bad. Oh. Everyone looks at this or everyone drinks. And if they don't, they wish that they could. Right. If he had that kind of attitude. Oh, it would not have been. It would same. have never given you the Mm-mm. freedom to have that conversation with yourself. Right. And then with him. Exactly. You're a hundred percent right. And unfortunately there's so many women who are in relationships where that is the answer. I don't care. This isn't wrong. Yeah. I want to look at it. Yeah. But it's Johnny, normal. Johnny was trying. That's the thing. Yeah. Is he wanted to quit when Danny saw the pain that he caused me, mm-hmm. it almost killed him. Like yeah. he, then again, he's like, well, I just want to run and go drink because, right, because of what I just, I just, ru- I just ruined the, the most important thing to me mm-hmm. and I can't, I can't take it back. Right. But in my mind, I was like, okay, so you're not a sociopath. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you can see that I have feelings mm-hmm. and they're important to you and you saw that you failed and you want to do better. Yeah. And you're going to do the difficult process, whatever that looks like to change. Right. And he just chipped away and just put in the work and put in the work and worked on rebuilding trust and didn't get angry when I would pick up his phone randomly to uh-huh. check things. He'd say, go ahead. I'll yep. give you the, every password I have. Right. Everything. And that allowed me to, to relax into the process of forgiveness and trust and yeah. rebuilding. But it definitely took both of us being willing. Absolutely. You both have to be willing and then you have to have really good communication. There was yeah. a time after we had kind of decided like, I'm not leaving. I'm going to help you through this. I'm here with you. I would check in with him like my our counselor would recommend. And he finally was like, babe, you're, you're asking too much. Like, yeah. am I looking at it? Almost to the fact that like when you ask me, then I start thinking about yeah, it. Like, yeah. And so yeah. I was like, okay, that's too much. So like maybe not once a day, like yeah. maybe once yeah. a week. And so like just communicating, yeah. like I want to feel like. You want to be on the same page Yeah, again. like I want to trust you. You want to trust me. And obviously we can't just shove this under the rug. I'm going to check in on you. But like how much is too much and so we kind of found like our happy medium so it started with like a week and he was cool with me looking at his phone and then as we got further into it like I check in once a month and now it's like he'll come to me I don't even have to check in he's just like man like it's kind of what Danny yeah. said like I'm having a bad day yep and, and it's I, just it's just a fact like that is what yep. is gonna come into his head well and what's, when he's stressed out what's interesting about that is once that dynamic is is reestablished, like the trust mm-hmm. is there then your sex gets really good oh my gosh yes right we've never been better right because you're you're both operating from a place of safety in your mind Mm -hmm. complete safety complete trust yeah complete intimacy right yeah which is everyone who gets married is that's why they get married because they're thinking that's what's going to happen exactly they're entering into that thinking i'm doing it because that's what i want right and quite, I, I would say a majority of the time, they're betrayed. Absolutely. In some way. Yeah. It's it's normal, you you ladies out there. <sighs> and as sad as it is, it unfortunately is so common. It, I have it is. hundreds of women messaging me Yeah, when I talk about porn and they're like, I just found out or I've been dealing with this with, for years. What do I do? So what do you say? So what is your advice? Robin, I'm so glad you said that because this is... It's what I'm dealing with. What's your advice? Well, before I offer any advice, I let them know you are not alone. I love you. This has nothing to do with you. This has nothing to do with what you look like, yeah. with how you treat your spouse. 
this is his problem. And unfortunately, because you're married, it's going to project onto you. Yeah. So I want you to focus and know that you are loved. You are worthy. You are whole. And tell yourself that every day till you feel it. Oh my gosh. I love. And I then, love that. Yeah. And then after that, then I go to a place of it's time to get help. Like right. what are, what are the options in your area? Yeah. Have you guys tried therapy? Have you, what can you do? Is your husband even willing to get help? Right. Because there's a lot of women who, who are like, my husband doesn't think it's wrong or right. people outside of churches. Like that's, that isn't wrong to them. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of women who don't belong to the faith I belong to. And they're like, it's completely normal for my husband to yeah. look at that. And all of our friends look at it, but it really makes me feel uncomfortable. And then I, and this is what I always say. It doesn't matter if it's socially norm. If it makes you feel uncomfortable, right? then your husband should respect that. Yeah. Amen. Like it, it doesn't matter if he's looked at it his whole life at any given point in time, you decide it's not comfortable for you and your relationship anymore. He should respect that. Yeah. So knowing it's not about you trying to work on yourself and know that you're likely going to have to support him. So if you're just a big crumbling cookie, like I was, I can't help him. Right. So trying to work on myself and then supporting him the best I can and just kind of looking more at him. I just thought he was just, just horrible. Like how could he hurt me? And what a dirt bag and what a loser. And then I just kind of switched perspective and I'm like, what a human. Yeah. He needs help. Yeah. I how love can I that. help him? Yeah. And just finding professional help. I love that. And I, I just, I think it's so important that we don't shame pornography addiction, even though it's so easy to do, right? right? Oh, that's dirty. It, yeah, because because it's of sexual nature. Yeah, but really, it's just humanity, and it's Satan taking something that was meant to be beautiful and trying to ruin it, right? And twisting it into something that it's it shouldn't be. Exactly. And it's okay if you got fooled. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, you don't have to stay fooled. Right. And you're not bad. Your husband's not bad. Your right. son is not bad. Exactly. Your brother isn't bad. Whatever it is, your daughter is not, not bad. Mm-hmm. It's, you are not bad. You are not bad. Yeah. But you don't want to trade your freedom for porn. No. And that's ultimately what happens. And again, in our last three podcasts, we've talked to men who have very frankly admitted that their pornography addiction actually took their agency away to a point that they wanted to die. Oh, I can absolutely see that. Johnny was so depressed, so anxious, so paranoid all the time. Yeah. Like he's literally a different person than when I married. And it's not that he's any different besides the fact that like he literally was suffocated in his own shame. Yeah. He couldn't even feel happiness. He couldn't even be happiness for me. Right. Because he was always so isolated and worried and shameful. And is the secret going to come out? Is she going to know I'm not worthy? Yeah. It it literally, it destroys you. It does. And it destroys every relationship you have. Every single one. So I want everyone listening to know there is help for pornography addiction. Yes. We will link resources in this episode you don't have to sit in it alone. You don't have to feel like you're the only one that's ever dealt with it. You just need to step right into it, own it, and get professional get help. Get professional help. And as the wife of someone who was addicted to pornography, I found more support once I was finally able to tell people. Of course, it I couldn't 
like Johnny was like, we don't want people to know. And, and I respected that until sure. he was to a point where he was like, okay, I'm okay to let people know. And I was like, well, I, me too. Like I need help. And, and since then I've had so many other women who've even supported me in my right. healing. Yeah. And like, there's so many of yeah. us dealing with this, like find the help and the support you need. Well, and it's interesting because Smith Alley, who was on two episodes ago, mentioned that he goes and talks to health classes in high schools and whatnot. And he said, 80 to 90% of kids are willing to raise their hand and say, I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm, I'm struggling with depression. I struggle with alcohol. Mm -hmm. But about 2% of kids are willing to stand up and say, I'm struggling with pornography. Because of the stigma. Because of the stigma. And Could that, you imagine no kid's going to raise his hand? No kid. But statistically, 20, oh. 20 to 30% of them are are shackled by it. Oh, yeah. I was actually reading some studies on it this week in preparation for this. And fight the new drug. Yeah. They talk a lot about pornography. Yeah. They were saying somewhere between like 75% of boys by the time they get into adulthood have already looked at it. Yeah. Oh, yes. Like that. that's, that's, that's almost 100%. Yeah. And, and can you imagine these boys have been fooled to think that pornography is actually what sex is, yes, right? Yes. So they're not going to be able to live a healthy sexual no. relationship. They have no idea. And they all think they're bad. Yes. And that's, that's what's really hard right. too is it doesn't bring feelings of joy or happiness to anybody. No. Nobody's like, I look at porn and it has brought, it me, has brought me so much so happiness. Much happiness. It, no. it just piles on the shame. And mm -hmm. so... That's why talking about it openly as a struggle that exists in your home Absolutely. Is, is the most critical thing you can do to help other women and other families is talk about it. Could you imagine the impact us mothers would have if we sat down and talked to our kids just as open and clearly as we would teach our kids about stranger danger right, or the birds and the bees? Like if right. we just made pornography as normal mm -hmm. as we would teach our kids on anything else, the impact we could actually have on solving this problem. Amen. And that is, Danny actually goes and speaks to people about that saying, pornography needs to be the most normal word in your home. Absolutely. No one should be shuddering or trying to run from anyone mentioning that word. Right. You need to normalize it like you would normalize any other word. Exactly. Because it takes the fascination away too. It's right. just kind of like, oh, porn. Yeah, I know about yeah, it. Yeah, my mom taught me about it. Yeah. And yeah. it's, again, how powerful would it be if every woman out there who's experienced that type of betrayal in her marriage was able to say, yep, dealt with it. Yeah. Sucks. Hard, hard work. Hard work. But we almost it. allow it to have the power when we let it sit in the darkness. Yeah. No one can see it. Absolutely. It's like shine the light on it. It doesn't have any power anymore. It doesn't scare anyone. That's you can right. see it as it is. Our Ace secrets on. keep us sick. sick. It is the truth. Robin, I love you. I love you. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy I'm here. And do you have any parting words for, for the ladies out there? Just know if you are struggling through this in silence, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not guaranteeing it will work out for you. And your spouse, like sure, pornography can be detrimental to marriages. Yeah, it can. It can. End but a I marriage. want you to know that it's worth a try. Yeah, to try to save it first. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not about you. Yeah, it's his own problem. Yep, 
and you can be the catalyst to help him change through it. Yeah, I love it. We will link um, any of Robin's resources and our resources in the show notes. Please, please share this episode with another woman that needs to hear it because we need to amplify this message to more women, more families, more parents of teenagers so that we can stop the stigma of pornography addiction. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here, Robin. And we'll see you you guys next week.